you know, for those who don't, who may not know, um, you are basically responsible for putting women in rock and roll, <laughs> you know, um, guilty, guilty, guilty charged, <laughs> you know, and I mean, no, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a huge fan. I mean, no disrespect by this in any way, but I feel as a fan and following you for a while that you don't really get the due or the credit that you, you deserve for that. Um, well, I think that has been changed now since the documentary has come out and been such a success, Suzy yeah. Q. That has addressed that big time, you know. Um, and oft, often the first ones, whoever changes the game plan, and then everybody that follows, they seem to get more attention than the original one because it was just, I didn't have a blueprint. But in the documentary, every just about everyone you can think of steps up and says thank you to me so it has been addressed now it has yeah that's that's awesome to see but that was you know that's super recently and you've been doing this since yes i know but i've always been successful i've always toured and i've always just i mean i didn't do it for that reason maybe that's 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 the right way to look at it. I got yeah it. i just did it because this is what i do i didn't know i was doing all that until i saw it in the documentary you know i kind of went oh okay yeah. <laughs> Well, that's probably what makes you so cool, you know, as you are, you, from what I understand, you didn't come out of the gate with the intention to be this like female figure role model. You just were rocking. Yeah, I was. And I, I stuck to that my whole life. I'm, uh, I'm uncompromising about who I am and I didn't have an agenda. I wasn't um, saying to people, Hey, I'm a girl musician. Not at all. I'm a musician done and dusted and just sticking to who I was. And the, the thing is, I knew I didn't fit anywhere. Sure. I just didn't. So I had to find my place to fit, which is what I did. And then that opened the doors. So that's great. That's a positive thing. And when you found yourself in that role, all of a sudden, you know, being, being uh, successful and getting some fame and stuff, how did you deal with that then versus how do you deal with it now? As you know, I'm sure a bunch of females and males alike coming up to you saying that, you know, you're the inspiration, you're the reason I'm here. How is that? How, how's that? How do you deal with that? Um, while I was young and just doing it, I didn't think about anything. Okay. I can't, I can't say that I did anything on purpose and I, I don't, I'm very honest about it. I was just being who I was and my attitude was, uh, here I am. I didn't call myself a girl musician. I called myself a musician. I put out that message to people, whoever it was, that this is me. I don't don't make any apologies or justifications. Here I am. And it actually wasn't until I watched Suzy Q at the cinema with an audience for the first time. And I snuck in because I was due to go up for a Q&A at the end of the show. My first London premiere. And I wanted to feel the audience and see the reaction to the documentary. And um, I snuck in. A couple people saw me, but I went and I, and I watched it. And when I saw all these women, one after the other, coming in and telling me I was the reason they did what they did, it really it made me cry. And the next day, I called my, she's now a good friend of mine, Cherie Curry from The Runaways. Sure. And um, I said, I have to talk to you about something. I said, I just realized something. And she said, what? I said, well, by me doing what I do, what I did, what I do, I gave women all over the world permission to be different. And she said to 
for me. And you just got that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was perfect timing. I went, yeah. So what I'm trying to say is yeah. I didn't have an agenda. I didn't have a plan. I knew I was different and I wanted to remain different. So even though the, that didn't exist, that little place I was trying to be and didn't exist, I made it exist. And you know, so, so that's great. Yeah, that's that's beautiful to hear. And did you just have that intuition in your heart? Like you just knew this was you. You knew this was what you wanted to do. There was no blueprint for you. You just followed it. Is that is that all that is? I knew from really young, maybe six or seven, maybe that young, yeah. that I didn't fit anywhere. I, I just knew this. I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. I just didn't fit anywhere. So I just had to find my place. And I knew it was different. I knew it was unique. And I knew it would take courage and a lot of self-belief. And I went down my path, you know? Yeah, that's, even the fact that you just played bass as a woman, just leave it at that, was different. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah right there, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's why I always uh, thought, that you you were so cool in punk rock way way ahead of your time. I have I have two little sisters who I bring up on this podcast quite a bit, probably to their dismay. But uh, I made them watch that documentary, and I, I pointed it's a good documentary. It's a good one, and that's the that's actually my attitude too. I mean, I I I already played drums and uh, piano. I'm schooled in classical piano and percussion, so I can read and write and play. Uh, but when the band began, when I was fourteen. Everybody chose an instrument. It was an all-girl band. One of my sisters and me, two other sisters and a girl. And we had watched the Beatles on TV. And, hey, let's form a band. I, I didn't care if it was girls. I just wanted to play. And everybody chose an instrument. And I, for once, didn't speak up quick enough. I already played, you know, piano and drums. I said, hey, what am I going to play? And my sister next to me, she said, bass. I went, okay. Why not? Okay. Yeah. I don't care. Um, you know, don't forget, piano is a percussion instrument, Definitely. drums are percussion, and bass is considered a percussion. So everything in me was geared to that. And I went to my father, and who was a musician. I said, we're starting a band, Dad. I, I'm going to play bass. Do you have a bass? And he gave me, for my first bass at 14 years old, a 1957 Fender Precision. Beautiful. I rest I rest my case. That's all you needed. <laughs> it's a no-brainer that I was going to be a good bass player because I learned, not knowing it, of course, I learned on the Rolls Royce of basses. I didn't know it was a long neck. I didn't know it was heavy. All I know was he said, here's the bass you can play. And that's what I learned. So, yeah. That just make you probably a lot physically and mentally stronger just by having this instrument that's literally the size of you. You know, we'll get to, the, we'll get to that later. We're a health and wellness uh, brand too, so I do want to ask you about that. But uh, I, I know I I got I got the arms of a wrestler. That's right. <laughs> I'm only five foot two. The bass comes up to here, but um, I don't get along with small neck bases. I actually, you know, you got to remember when I started. All I was doing was saying, do you have a base? And he gave me this. So I didn't even know that there were options available. How would I know that? I never played bass before. I just thought, okay, this is what I have to learn. And learn it I did. And I never played with a pick because I wasn't a failed guitar player. I was a bass player. I love it. I love it. And you came up, um, again, for those who don't know, in Detroit. 
which is the, yeah. you know, the, the motor rock city, which I assume back then was uh, pretty rough coming up. In, you know. Yeah, I mean, Detroit is special. That's the only way I can say it. Several times. I'm from Pittsburgh. I know. I, okay. Yeah. Detroit has is, is got a an edge. Yeah. An edge. Got electric. It's got almost a desperation sometimes. It's got all these conflicting things, rich, poor, black, white. And it produces this wonderful, wonderful catalog of artists. So many. And we all, if you look at all the Detroit people, we all have that one little electric thing in common. A little bit on the edge, you know? Yeah. Alice Cooper, Iggy yep. Pop, you know, yep. and that's what uh, your name is right there, right there with them. And sure. You, yeah. you can't take the Detroit, you can't take the Detroit out of us. No. In, in fact, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, um, Alice Cooper just released a whole record based on Detroit. And uh, what did you think of that, by the way? I'm sure. You well, he, he called me and asked me to be on that album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wanted me to do a duet with him on my song, uh, Your Mama Won't Like Me. Sure. But um, And I was going to do it. But then I told the producer who I know quite well, Bob Ezra, and I said, so once I've sent you my vocals in my bass, on, you know, you send them over the email, I said, uh, then can you send me back whatever you've done with it so I can approve it? And he said, no. Hmm. I said, why? He said, oh, nobody else has asked for that. I said, it's my song. I'm playing bass and I'm singing. Why can't I have approval? He said, oh, you're causing a lot of trouble. I said, no, I'm not. I'm just being normal. And then he said, I can't promise you it's going to be a completely equal duet. And this was why he didn't want to send it to me. Uh, so at that point, I said, okay, I will. I will opt out. Thank you anyway. We're good friends. I've talked to Bob since. I've talked to Alice many times. We're fine. They understood where I was coming from. I wasn't about to put my name down as a duet on one of my songs and sing two lines. Sure. You know, that, that, I said, Alice, a hundred times, you want to do a duet with me, let's do one. You know, do a proper one. Definitely. I'm sure he would. He seems like, I mean, he's my hero. He's the reason. I adore him. And we're very, very, as if you've talked to him, you would know we're close friends. Very close. Have you, uh, were you close friends from early on? Did he, have, do you have a cool relationship with Alice Cooper coming up in the, in the Detroit scene? Did I say that again? Did you have a close relationship with him, like kind of the whole time coming up in the Detroit scene? Huh? Yes. Yeah. We always, um, God, he won't mind me saying this because we've talked about it. We always liked each other. Okay. You no, know? yeah. and it could it could have turned romantic. That would have been the most dangerous. It, no, it the whole time. It was that that chemistry was there. It was, and he will tell you the story too. Yeah. And uh, we did share a kiss. Oh. And it was a real. Real kiss. You know those kind of kisses where it either goes to the next stage or it doesn't. Okay. We have one of those kisses and we both we both went yeah. So we're we're better friends. The chemistry is there, you know, love the guy, he loves me. We're fine with that. Nothing strange in it, but it was a long time ago and we did share the kiss. We went that distance and then decided we should just stay friends. And that's what we've been ever since. He's a good guy. I really like him a lot. Yeah, he's the greatest. Thank you for sharing that. That warms my heart. You know that you guys would have been the most dangerous couple of all time. So maybe it just that was for the right reasons. Anyway. Well, he did actually say to a we had a common promoter for a few tours in Australia, and he told the promoter, which I really quite liked, that it was the defining kiss of his life. I mean, you can tell in that documentary when he's talking about you, he has like a light. I know. 
I know. See, so that's what I mean. So we both did the same thing, but then there's all, when you have a chemistry with somebody, there's always that little, hmm, you know. Yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and it's fine. It kind of keeps our friendship just where it should be, you know. It's exactly yeah. right. Bless them. <laughs> Last time I saw him was in Germany about maybe five years ago. And he went like this to me. He went, I went, Alice, we've been there, done that. He went, I said, stop it. <laughs> Man. So yeah, so we have we have that that nice synergy between us, you know. I love hearing that, and um, obviously the musical synergy is there too. He just put out his new Detroit focus record, and your new record sounds as heavy and as Detroit influenced as. as yeah, it's great. I'm pretty proud. I sent him an email. In fact, I got to call him tonight because he's got to stop stalking me. I've been doing the promotion nonstop for this, and either before I talk to the person or just after. They've talked to Alice, or they're going to be talking to Alice. He is stalking me. I'm calling him tonight saying, get out of here. <laughs> Feel free to send him over. He has the same. Everybody he's been talking to has mentioned me. So it's like, for some reason, our lives had run tandem with yeah, each other. I guess yeah. So, so there's, there's just a connection. I guess it will always be there. That's great. Well, what is it? Um, was it a conscious thing on this new record to sound heavy? To, to take it back to your Detroit roots, or is that just like kind of how you always? Well, were? I mean, we got our feet wet, my son and I, on No Control. Yes. The first album together. So, you know, when you first work with somebody brand new, the sky's the limit. You know, you have no blueprint. You have no no background together. So you, you don't have to fit in anywhere. You're just writing and having fun. And we were like riding on the joy of creation. You know, it was great. And so then... That went down fantastic. The critics loved it, loved it, loved it. Richard got his confidence, which is important. Yeah. So then he said to me, this next album, I want it to be as groundbreaking as the first one. And he was really insistent. And when somebody's that insistent, I trust them. He said, I know what this album should be, Mom. Trust me, I know what this should be. And he kind of steered the way. Really? He steered the way. And what happened is, He's made me see me through his eyes of what he saw the whole time he was growing up. This is what's happened. And I've just gone, yeah. So, you know, there's the old saying, you teach your children until they teach you. I bet that's a beautiful experience. For you. Oh, he brought me back to me. And I didn't know even that I'd gone away. I hadn't gone away. I've made some great music. I did Quattro Scott and Powell and sure. Back to the Driver. But he's just relit the Susie fire in the most wonderful ways. I, I am seeing me through his eyes. It's quite something. So in quite that something. way, does this record mean, mean more to you than records in the past for that reason? Yes, it does. It does. And in fact, when we were doing No Control, um, my ex, Richard's dad, who was my guitar player, he kept coming into the studio and sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and just smiling ear to ear. And finally, I started to feel a little bit awkward that he was sitting there not playing. Mm -hmm. So I said to him, Len, would you like to play on one of the tracks? And he looked at me for a good beat. And then he went, no, no. I want my son to play everything I went on. Oh, that makes me a little bit cheerful. In other words, he was really handing over the baton. Yeah. He was really doing that, you know, so he didn't, he, he did, he stuck to it. He didn't want to play, gave me the opportunity, you know, right. and he, he went, no. That's very cool. No, it was great. It was a real moment, actually.
Yeah. How did you guys split up the, uh, you know, the collaborative effort to make this record? I know you said you let Richard take the, take the reins a little bit, but um, do you ever step in and change things or does it, is it a 50, 50 thing or how, how does that work? We, we do trust each other. I do trust him. Yeah. It's not without its arguments. Of course, if you're creating something, you might agree with, disagree with the guy who's mixing it. You might disagree with the piano, but that's what happens. But we both want the same result. We had a couple little, you know, sometimes he went my way, sometimes I went his way. Um, a good example, uh, My Heart and Soul. Right. Just a beautiful, beautiful song. Pure Motown. And that, oh, pure Motown. Yeah. And when I heard it out on the patio, he was in the studio. I don't like to work in the studio. I work outside with my acoustic stuff. That I'm old school. And the, and the track came out. He had put together this little track. And it was a drum loop, a little bass part, and a guitar. And it came out. And I went, it really hit me so hard. And I went, what? You know? And I knew as an artist for many years now to not let it go to my head and keep it in my heart. So I just didn't think. And I walked out and I said, what is this? And he said, it's something I'm working on, Mom. I said, quick, 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 put on the microphone. Quick, headphones, play the song. And I sang, without thinking, in a voice I've never used before, the first four lines of the song. And we both just went, what? But to answer your question, the ending of that story is, when we finally recorded it properly and we all played along to the demo and everything was on, the horns, the strings, the back and vocals, I'm now in the studio as Susie Quattro putting down the vocal to this track for the album. And when you're doing that, you're kind of naked. Every artist is. You know, you're, you're standing there naked singing and hopefully it's sounding good. And you're, everybody's a little bit nervous when they're on show like that, you know. So I'm singing away giving up my all and Richard stopped the tape and I said what's the matter he said you're not doing it mom I said what do you mean I'm not and then I got defensive yeah. what do you mean I'm not doing it yeah he had to learn diplomacy I had to teach him that <laughs> he said well you know you're not, you're not you're not giving me goosebumps and I went and I started, started to get like this you know there are people in the room and I, I said what aren't you getting and what's he said just a minute just a minute just a minute mom and he put the demo on in my ears and I heard the demo vocal. Mm -hmm. Well spotted Richard. Mm -hmm. So what had happened was that when I went out and did that in the studio, they never call usually. Okay, so no well, spot, well spotted Richard. <laughs> and when he saw me getting defensive, he thought, okay, the best way is to just show you right. so the demo on. And what had happened was I was in the studio being the professional Susie Quattro putting my final vocal on this track. And I'd lost that just wailing from my heart without even knowing what I was going to sing. And I heard it. As soon as he played, I went, oh, whoa. So I went out of the studio, walked around a little bit, came back, got myself back into that space I was in, and I sang it like a bird. But he was absolutely correct. But I did have to teach him afterwards. I did say to him, listen, when you're going to do something like that, you're, it's just inexperience. And I explained to him about how you can take an artist's confidence away like this. 
You could be in the doing a bass part, and somebody could say that if they go, "What are you doing?" You, or if they say, "You know what? Why don't you try putting that?" And, and there's a way to put things. So he had to learn that. I said that was a little bit harsh. Yes, you were correct. Nobody's saying you weren't correct, but you took my confidence away, and that's what you shouldn't do. You should have said, "Mom, you had a different vibe on the demo. Can I play it for you?" Uh, yeah. Instead of you're not doing it, Mum. So immediately, as an artist, you get you get defensive. Of course, you do. You know. So anyway, he's he's learned that now how to do that. Because you really you really can go you can really smash an artist's confidence with one word. You know, you are naked when you're performing. You are. I, I love that uh, it sounds like you two are learning from each other, and you're like you're you're still his mom in a you know in the in that dynamic. That's cool. Big time we're learning from each other. It's really, really great. In fact, on the on the first album, it's my favorite story. He doesn't like me to tell it, but it's one of my favorite stories. We were three demos in, having fun. Mom, I want to ride with you. Okay, having, having fun. And I had the scratch mic here. I'm playing the bass. Richard's here. We're putting down the first song we ever wrote together, which was uh, Don't, Don't Do Me Wrong on the on No Control album. Okay. And... All of a sudden, he stopped playing, and I said, what's the matter? And he went, oh, my God, all of a sudden, I'm in the studio with Susie Quattro. There was a big pause, and I went, and? And he went, okay, ready. And he, so this was, no, you know what happened just uh, psychologically? This was, a, this was a moment. This was a moment. But he, he was either going to step up to bat, or he was going to freak out and go out of the room. But he stepped up to bed. That's why I said, and? In other words, yes, you are in the studio with Susie Quattro. Absolutely. It's got nothing to do with you being my son. You're the boss. I Absolutely. Love that. And I love <laughs> that um, this record does sound like kind of a, uh, not that the last record, No Control, wasn't great. I love that um, it was very eclectic. It sounded like you guys were having fun. This, we did. This is, uh, it sounds focused. You know, it sounds like you came in with a with a mission on this one, especially the even yeah. the, the title. We had the benchmark. We had the benchmark of no control. Everybody loved it, you yeah. know? Great. And we said, okay, we're going to make this better. Right. And we knew where we were going. We had a direction. No yeah. control. We didn't know what we were having fun. Right. Discovering each other, I you know? Like the titles say it all, you know, no controls, loose, and, no, and the devil and me. Like, that's a badass title. For, you know, oh. come, coming in from a woman your age right now, it's like she's not messing around. I like what I like. What <laughs> Don't even mention it to me. I wish I could say I've matured, but uh, no. that would be lying. <laughs> That's cool, but it doesn't matter. Does um, I don't care. <laughs> and that kind of kind of leads into uh, what I wanted to get next is how do you uh, you know, how do you keep yourself healthy and shape and continuing to rock and sing and you know. All, all that stuff. Do you have a routine? Is it just years of experience and carrying the bass and wailing? It's a combination of everything. Okay. Um, everybody knows that the body has a memory, a muscle memory. Sure. So 57 years of gigging have left their memory. Uh, I'm in the gym every day. I'm not working when I'm in the gym. You got to keep this up. You got to keep this up. I'm in the front room. I know. I know, but I'm a girl. Look at that. I, you. I see it. I can feel it through here. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I go in the front room. I practice to my live CD. I jump around. I, I do the moves. I go in the gym. Um, I take care of my throat always. I get nine to ten hours sleep when I'm working because it's good for the throat. I do a vocal warm-up. 
Um, the worst thing I do is right now at the moment I'm drinking a little bit too much champagne, but who isn't? This is isolation blues. It says it all. Um, I keep myself fit so that when I go to do my shows, I do two hour shows now, 15 wow. minute interval, something like 30 songs. You better be fit when you do that. So I keep myself at a level of fitness always. Well, you can tell you, you look great. So I was just, you know, being Thank a health and wellness professional myself, I'm just always curious about how the rock stars take care of themselves because, you know, there's no, you, you can, there's no blueprint. I mean, you, Alice Cooper, you guys are, are the ones keeping it alive and keep, keep doing it at a hard, heavy level. Um, like, I don't think there's anybody else to look to for that. So, I, I think yeah, well, I, I take it serious. I mean, I, yeah. I always, whenever I go back, my dad told me something when I was about 16. He's been a musician all his life. And he said to me, he just pulled me aside. I was in the band for maybe two years at that point. And he said, Susie, I said, yeah. He said, you know, you know what you're doing now? He said, this is a profession. I said, I know. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, if you're playing for 10 people or 10,000, makes no difference. Even the 10 people, every single one of them has put their hand in their pocket and paid to see you and you owe them. And if you can't go out there and give the best show you can give, you shouldn't be on that stage at all. Went right into my psyche. I, I really heard him. I really heard him. And I'm the kind that will spit wooden nickels until everybody is smiling. So I'm an, I'm an old fashioned entertainer that way I, I go there to make you feel good it's the detroit blood it's the electric blood can't take it out um that's 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 so that's so cool to hear and i know that uh this record was born in isolation you know as we all have been in for the last you know two years or whatever um did that contribute to like kind of the darkness on this record to the heaviness at all or uh what what, what well, went down i don't I, <laughs> You know, there's a few tracks that nod to it. I mean, Isolation Blues, obviously. Yeah. But, but, yet, but yet it's a strong song. It's not a depressing song. It's, you're at the bar. Yeah. It's no, well. positive. I wouldn't classify anything. Yeah. It's a positive way of, of saying yeah. what, we're, what we're all going through. In the dark, little smoke and mirrors, you know. You can't drink them, little smoke and mirrors. But things like Motor City Riders, I mean, smash it out of hell. Um, hey, Queenie. Oh, there's so many good tracks on here. And then you do things like Love's Gone Bad, which is so Billy Holiday-ish almost, you know? Yeah. Um, we just went for the vibe on this album and every song had to have a vibe. That's what we said, had to have a vibe. And Richard was the, he was the judge of that. Okay. Very you know, he, yeah. he would listen, you know, and he'd go, he vibe, vibe in. And he's right because everybody has said, even though it's diverse, it all fits together beautifully. Right. Yeah. And did um did being in isolation have you um give you more time to write or, or something that you normally wouldn't have that you could focus a little more on? Or is it was it therapeutic for you making this record? I, I am a, a I'm a creative person anyway. I'm an artiste. I'm yeah. always writing. I've got four books out. Um working on my fifth and sixth book, writing for the next album. So I am a creative person. I, I will always try to turn a negative into a positive by writing either a poem or a song about it. So, but what, what's this, I've, I, I've, I have found this, that we've all been going through, extremely creative, extremely inspiring. I've just, I, I, I dove into it, dove into it, and just took everything out. That I'm still doing it now. 
There's so much. Boy, it's made you examine yourself. It's made you examine priorities. It's made you question your very existence. Right. You know? Wow. Wow, what a time for everybody. I know. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's yeah. refreshing to see you. Um, are you naturally just as positive as you are? Just on social media, you're super positive. Just talking to you, I get, I get that vibe that you're, you're an artist. Do you, is that something you force to pull out of you, or is that just, is that just what this is? I am a glass half full girl. Okay. And I always have been. Um, I've done so much social media since this happened to try to lift everybody up. And, but at the same time, when I hit the wall, and we all do, and everybody has hit the wall at one time or another during it. Everybody has. I'm honest about it. I go on Facebook and I say, guess what, everybody? I hit the wall last night. You know, you can be watching a comedy on the TV and all of a sudden you're crying. And that's okay. That's okay. It doesn't last long with me because I'm an up girl. But when it comes, I let it out. I cry, walk into the fire, and walk out the other side. That's important to hear. That's important to hear. Thanks for sharing. And, um... So what's next? You know, you mentioned a few books. You don't yeah. like one to, you know, not work. So what, what's I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I got lots of gigs in the book. We're waiting to see if they're going to happen. Okay. I am working. On the, I'm working on the next album. We're about six songs in. Uh, I'm working on two books. I've got a movie of my life. I'm working on. Um, oh. Other than that, not doing much. That's pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty full plate. That's that's great to hear. What are the uh, what what are the books about? I'm not sure. I'm I'm, um, I'm I'm doing. I've got two coffee table illustrated books out already. One is a poetry book called Through My Eyes, really? and the other one I wrote and released during lockdown called Through My Words, which is a lyric book, illustrated. And I'm now working on my third one in that series called Through My Thoughts, which I'm using my Instagram as as the uh as the basis of it that i've been doing since lockdown plus i've got another novel i wrote a novel called, called the hurricane mm -hmm. and i'm writing another novel now so i i just i can't stop i have to create you're you're an inspiration that inspires me i, I wish i knew more about about your books i'm on it now i've just wrote it down that's my okay it's through, through, through my words through yeah. my eyes poetry and lyric the hurricane and my autobiography unzipped I'm all for it. Thanks for giving me homework. Okay, no thanks, problem. Thanks for talking to me. This has been My a, pleasure. A, a blessing. You're the best. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, Susie. Thank and you got an old soul, by the way. I wanted to tell you, you're a young guy with a very old soul, and you know that yourself anyway. You know it yourself anyway. It's because you're I was old. raised on Alice Cooper and Susie Quattro. <laughs> See you later. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.